Welcome on in to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. I'm Jay Catt, your host here on this podcast. Thanks for joining me on this Monday edition of the show, January 28th, 2019. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. Uh, BYU basketball had the weekend off. Coaches were out recruiting, going to see some prospects um, around the country. I know that some of the coaches were in Texas, other guys in Florida, uh, going to see some current signees and also some future prospects. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that in the second segment here. We'll talk about the guys that the BYU basketball coaching staff is chasing in the next recruiting class, would be the 2020 class. But in this first segment, we're going to talk about BYU and Kalani Satake. Uh, We've talked about on this podcast. I've reported it, and I I stand by the report I had originally, but we'll talk about this. Jay Drew doing great work for the Salt Lake Tribune, clarifying that Kalani Satake's contract is actually good for two more seasons versus just one more. We'll talk about that here in this first segment and of course in the final segment of the podcast we'll catch up on the weekend's results for the other BYU athletic teams with quick hits as we close out the show thanks again for joining me it's a blast to bring this podcast to you guys each and every day hopefully you guys are all having a great day and let's get going this is Locked on Cougars All right, Jay Drew in the Salt Lake Tribune dropping a mild bombshell on the rest of the media, myself included. They had reported that Kalani Satake should have his contract extended. Uh, he should be set up for at least a few more years because he only had one year left, according to the reports we had heard. But Jay Drew did a good job saying that uh, five-year deals what Kalani Satake signed when he was hired in December of 2015, it expires after the 2020 season. So it would be, I, I think it's mid December of 2020 is when his contract is set to expire. So there is two more seasons intact currently on Kalani Satake's deal versus the one year that a lot of us had reported. And uh, I stand by my original report because my sourcing on that was about as solid as anybody could be. Um, if you, if I had to tell you who I talked to, you guys would understand, okay, yeah, you would you would take that and run with it too. But I'm not going to reveal my sources. I don't do that. I'm, I'm a journalist. I have to keep people's information and their identities uh, with me to continue to have that flow of information. But the good news coming out of this is that Kalani Satake has at least two more seasons to continue to build. That means he has two more years, two more seasons in essence, to prove that he is worthy of a new contract. I'm still of the opinion that BYU should go ahead and extend him at this point, maybe give him a two-year extension uh, with an option year or whatnot. And there's a possibility also, just to clarify one thing, that the report I got, they only had the one year left. People tell me that it could very well be that that 2020 season, it's an an option year. Plain and simple, the school could say, hey, we have a four-year deal with you with an option for a fifth year. It's very common in pro sports. If you hear it in the NBA all the time, you have contracts with player options options, team options, etc. It very well could be that with BYU. I'm anticipating it probably wasn't, and he had that five-year deal set up straightforward, which is more in line with what college football does, but that very well could have been the case, and that just got construed along the phone lines and the telephone wire. If you play the game telephone, things get messed up when they go from person to person to person, but I talked to some people who would be very high up on that telephone list who said it was the one year left. So uh, plain and simple, it's good news for Kalani Sitake. He's got two more seasons at least to prove his worth to the BYU brass, prove that he is worthy of a contract extension, and the guy 
guy that uh, coaches that, that should be coaching the BYU football program for the foreseeable future. Um, I know a lot of people when I brought this up that I thought that he should be extended. A lot of people said, "Well, what has he proven?" Okay, I, I'm not going to qu- um, quibble with you on that. I understand he's got a career record of 20 and 19. There are still some wounds lingering from that four and nine season in 2017. BYU fans, I can understand that there's just some upset uh, feelings about that. How could you let a program crater like that? How would you set up a first-time coordinator like Ty Detmer, a legend in many BYU fans' eyes, to, to fail? I understand that. And the head coach of a college football program bears the most weight. He has the heaviest crown. And Kalani Satake, to his credit, is willing to embrace everything and anything that BYU throws at him. He understands that BYU is a unique institution. He's a guy that wants to be at BYU. He played for Lavelle Edwards. He's always had his eyes set on returning to coach at his alma mater at some point. I know that he spent his entire coaching career before coming to BYU as the head coach at other stops, mainly the University of Utah and Oregon State. But his goal has always been to come back and help lead the program that gave him so much that he feels an, he feels he owes a, a debt to. He owes a debt to his former head coach, Lavelle Edwards, to make sure that the BYU football program is run in the similar vein of what Lavelle's got going, had going, I guess, not ha- has going, he had going for that 29 years he was the head coach in Provo. So... I I tip my cap to Jay Drew for outsourcing all of us, getting the word straight from the horse's mouth, if you will, uh, that BYU, he does have two more years for Kalani Satake to really prove what he can do. Uh, There are some other great quotes here um, from the column that uh, Jay Drew wrote off of the comments. Very interesting that um, the the questions Jay Drew had, he had he had to submit he submitted six questions via email to BYU, which were then in turn handed to Kalani Satake, four of them which were answered, other two pretty much got a no answer on, they did not respond to those, Uh, but it was interesting to see um, some of the responses from Kalani Satake via email, this is not um, quotes, these are, well they're quotes, but they were typed out responses. And one that I really enjoyed here was talking about uh, just the in-game adjustments, the the, the development of the offensive game plans under new offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. I talked about the fact a lot of there are still wounds from the fact that people feel like Ty Detmer was set up to fail. I don't think Ty Detmer was set up to fail. I just feel like he was in a position where he was trying to do his best and just ultimately couldn't overcome all of the deficiencies that were going on. As a result, he lost his job. He's now off looking for his next adventure. I know some people have said that he'd like to end up in the NFL, and there's a possibility that still happens. Uh, he was actually linked to the linked to Utah at one point when Utah was looking for an offensive coordinator as, as a potential um, replacement as a quarterbacks coach for the Ute staff. And I'm, I have no doubt that Ty Detmer will have success doing whatever he's doing at his next stop. I think he learned a lot from his from his tenure at BYU. And I don't think he has hard feelings about it. He understands it's a job at the end of the day. Uh, but an interesting quote here from Kalani Satake that I enjoyed talking about Coach Grimes. And I'll just read it verbatim here out of Jay Drew's um, column, or not column, or article for the Salt Lake Tribune. He says that, quote, I like that Coach Jeff Grimes and our offensive staff were able to adjust and pattern schemes to utilize the talent we had on the field based on injuries or when we made other changes. They had a detailed plan with Tanner Mangum as the starter at quarterback that helped us improve and be successful, and then also when Zach Wilson became the starter. The second half of the season, I felt there was a lot of progress made, and we are going to build on that with Zach 
back and a good group of returning players we have coming back on offense. And I think that's uh, that's very accurate. All the credit goes to Jeff Grimes, Aaron Roderick, the entire offensive staff because they start. Excuse me. They started out the year as a pro set team with Tanner Mangum at the helm. There was a lot of play action, a lot of downhill running, two and three tight end sets, etc. But then as injuries really wreaked havoc on the tight end position and Tanner Mangum's effectiveness decreased as a result of that, well, they decided, okay, we need to switch things up. We're going to go with more of a spread attack. We're going to put Zach Wilson in there, use his running ability. We're going to put him in the shotgun, and we're going to use his ability and use our advantages on the perimeter as a spread team to orient her offense for the second half of the season and I think by both accounts I think there was success seen because you can't discount the fact that Tanner Mangum led BYU to a win over Wisconsin and Arizona played and simple and he had roles in both of those games Zach Wilson down the stretch held a 20 point lead at the University of Utah didn't win that game but then follows it up with an 18 of 18 passing performance against uh, Western Michigan and Boise there at the famous Idaho Potato Bowl so there's a lot of credit, and Kalani Satake does give it to uh, the BYU offensive staff for their ability to adjust on the fly and make sure that everything worked to help BYU have the best opportunity uh, to win games. So plain and simple, I, I, got, I got the sourcing wrong, I guess, on the, on the fact that Kalani Satake only had one year left. It's still, in essence has a year left because we're in 2019 and it expires after the 2020 season, but he's got two seasons remaining to prove his ability. So Kalani's got to hope that Jeff Grimes and the staff can get Zach Wilson and everybody on the same page, um, get them back off injuries, all the players who missed time this season, get them through spring ball, kind of implement new wrinkles, and hit the ground running come August. You start out the season against Utah, which actually might be your best opponent next year, in my opinion. Utah brings back everybody similar to BYU, and they should be the favorite in the Pac-12 South. I know that USC is a team that people have kind of pegged as a bounce-back team. I think there's a lot of discord and discontent there in Trojan land. So I think that BYU has an opportunity here to start out their season with a bang. They probably play the best P5 team they're going to face all year right out the gates on a Thursday night against Utah. And you got to hope that Jeff Grimes and his team and his offensive players are ready to go when that Thursday night bell comes and they're, they can start slinging, swinging punches right from the get-go. We can't have a slow start when it comes to BYU and this coming season because, as we've talked about, Kalani Sitake can't afford to have another, let's say, a 6-6 six and six season. He gets to 8 wins, and I think that extension probably is in the works shortly after after the 2019 season is done, the ink is being dried on that contract extension. I don't know how, for how long, two, three, four years, but I think that would really make a statement of, hey, I'm Kalani Satake, I want to be the head coach here, and I have battled back from that crater of a 4-9 and nine season to get you guys to eight wins, looking up. We've got a junior quarterback at that point in Zach Wilson, barring anything unforeseen happening. And I think that BYU fans start to buy in a little bit more. I understand the discontentment. I understand the lingering concerns based on that 2017 season, the off-field issues, etc. I'm in the camp that Kalani Satake is the right man for the job at BYU right now and is going to be for the foreseeable future. I understand that he has to put results out on the field, but it is my belief that he is in a position to succeed and BYU needs to reward him as such. I think he's got the right coaches in play. He's got to get an offensive line coach, of course, but like I've talked about on this podcast previously, I don't expect an offensive line coach to come until after signing day. I wouldn't expect an offensive line coach in place until maybe just before spring 
spring ball. They're going to take their time, get the right guy in place at that point, and then they'll go to work. The nice part is Jeff Grimes, his entire career has been built working with the offensive line, so he can do it on the interim until he finds a guy to replace Ryan Pugh. But plain and simple, I believe that Kalani Satake is the right guy for a job. Hat, hat tip to Jay Drew for reporting. He has two seasons now to prove that he is the guy. And I think he's set up to have an opportunity to make some noise going forward. All right. Uh, I've gone a little long here in this first segment, but that's okay. We'll come back. Talk a little BYU basketball recruiting. Need to talk about some guys that the coaching staff was out recruiting this weekend with their rare off weekend in West Coast Conference play. We'll talk about that next right here on Locked on Cougars. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars. A reminder for you guys, if you do have a smart speaker at your home, you've made your house in kind of that smart house format, you can use those smart speakers to listen to this podcast. Make it really easy on yourself. All you have to do is tell it, play podcast Locked On Cougars, and you will have the latest and greatest BYU news right there for you. All right, uh, talking some BYU basketball recruiting, of course. BYU coming off that big win over St. Mary's Thursday night. Did not have a game on Saturday. They had their bye in West Coast Conference action before a big showdown against top 10 ranked, uh, top 5 ranked Gonzaga this coming Thursday. They went on the road recruiting, as most coaches do. It happens in football and basketball. Coaching staffs, when you have an off weekend, it's time to hit the, hit the road. And uh, BYU coaches were in Texas checking out one of the top shooting prospects, period, in the entire recruiting class for 2020. That is a kid by the name of Caleb Lohner. Or Lohner. I'm, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Caleb Lohner. Six foot six, 200-pound swingman from Flower Mound, Texas, Flower Mound High School. And you may wonder, okay, what's the connection? Well, Loner, if you don't know, is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It also happens that he's a four-star prospect, bordering on the verge of being a five-star prospect. Uh, just a truly, truly elite player. And BYU is recruiting him and doing their best to hopefully land him. He's a guy that if BYU were to land a player of this caliber, it would be on par with, a, let's say, a Frank Jackson, a Jabari Parker of recent note. Just a truly elite talent, a guy that is considered uh, to be a potential one-and-done type of player, play one year and then go to the NBA. But it would do a lot for BYU to land a player of Loner's ability, his talent. I, I know that the crystal ball prediction, if you go to 24-7 Sports, have him pegged to go to Baylor, which is one of the elite Big 12 programs, one of the elite programs in the country. But BYU can capitalize on the connection with the faith uh, that they share, being members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It would be big for BYU to get out and recruit a kid like this. I, we've talked about a lot of BYU just losing momentum in basketball, some discontent with what Dave Rose is doing. Well, 
you're able to land a player like this who is ranked 48th in the nation according to 24-7 Sports. He's the 12th ranked small forward, third ranked player in the state of Texas. Just a great player overall. If you were able to land a kid like this, you'd have some people starting to turn their heads and say, hold hold up. How did Dave Rose and his staff engineer a coup, I guess we could use that term, to land a kid of this caliber? I, I like it's a long way to go before you get the kid to sign like this. Uh, Caleb is going to have options all over the place. You look at his list of op- offers: Texas, TCU, Kansas State, Baylor. You can just you can go up and down this list, and it is the elite of the elite. So Texas A&M also in on this kid. So. This is a top priority for BYU to land a kid of Caleb Lohner's status, but if they're able to get a kid like that, I I think it would do a lot to helping BYU kind of regain some mojo. Um, I also talked to some people that said that BYU is also in Florida, seeing one of their current signees, Bernardo Da Silva, playing with Wasatch Academy, which is based here in Utah, down there in San Pete County. Well, they were in Florida playing in a tournament. They also have a 2020 shooting guard on that team that uh, has been offered by BYU, Richie Saunders that the coaching staff was checking out. I'm of the opinion that Wasatch Academy could definitely become a big player for BYU in terms of a feeder school if BYU is able to tap into that. Uh, Wasatch Academy recruits players. It is a private school that plays an independent schedule. They play a fair amount of teams here in the state of Utah, but they don't participate in the state tournaments, etc. They go play national teams in tournaments all over the country. They're invited to the elite tournaments because they are a top 10 nationally ranked program. But BYU is able to pick off some guys from Wasatch Wasatch Academy, it also helps them in the recruiting game because Wasatch Academy, like I said, being a private school, they're getting kids from all over the country, even internationally, go up into Canada, etc., that come to play at Wasatch Academy with the hope of being a high-level recruited athlete in college basketball. So BYU, their ability to get Bernardo Da Silva, I think it might be just the start of them really trying to work on uh, getting kids from Wasatch Academy. I know a lot of the kids that play on that Wasatch Academy team play for the Utah Mountain Stars AAU team, which is coached by Marty Haas, of course the father of TJ Haas, BYU star, star point guard right now, or shooting guard, however you want to term it. Uh, he's also the father of Tyler Hawes, and he's got a connection to BYU, obviously, one of the all-time great players in BYU basketball history. But plain and simple, if BYU wants to regain the mojo that they had once in basketball, if they can land some signatures from some top players. Uh, Richie Saunders, like I said, a top player in the 2020 class from BYU's eyes, uh, could be a kid, like I said, that gets that Wasatch Academy pipeline flowing a little bit, but I think this Caleb Lohner kid has got to be the top priority for BYU. Do I think the BYU lands him? I have no idea. I just talked to somebody that said, hey, this is a kid you need to keep an eye on. He's a four-star prospect, could end up as a five-star prospect just a true kid that can shoot not a true kid he's a kid that can shoot the cover off the ball to use that expression just has got a great stroke can hit it from all over the court NBA range etc would just be a massive massive pickup for BYU if they were able to land him so just wanted to give you some updates on BYU basketball I had a chance to speak with some people over the weekend that indicated that the coaches were in Texas and Florida respectively among other places recruiting prospects in the 2020 class alright we'll keep you updated as we always do with this stuff we like to keep our fans updated I know some of you guys aren't recruiting people but for those of you that are it's my job to keep you updated on everything when it comes to BYU basketball and football and of course BYU basketball 
of being off on the weekend, turn my attention a little bit to the recruiting scene. All right, we'll step aside here. We'll come back. Final segment of the show. Catch up on how the other BYU athletic teams did over the weekend and all of their various events. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars. are Locked On Cougars, and we are your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars, giving you the latest news, notes, and insider information you can't find anywhere else. Thanks again for joining me on this Monday edition of the show. As you guys can tell, my voice is still not 100%, but if you go back to some of the podcasts last week, it is definitely much better. Thanks for bearing with me. It's a blast to bring this podcast to you, even if I have to do it with a sore slash hoarse voice. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to bring this guy's bring this to you seriously. I don't know how I can express that any more clearly that doing this podcast, it makes makes my day every day. It's a ton of fun to talk BYU. All right, as we close out today's show, I wanted to update you on some of the results from over the weekend and quick hits for the other BYU athletic teams. We're going to start off with the BYU women's basketball team. Uh, ran their winning streak to 11 games. They went on the road to San Diego, beat the Toreros 65-56, to and they have won 11 straight. Uh, should be ranked in the top 25 when the new rankings come out, I think later today as of recording on Monday. But incredible to see what the BYU women's basketball team is doing. 17-3 overall, 9-0 in West Coast Conference play. Still number one in the West Coast Conference race right now. Just awesome to see BYU women's basketball doing this when a lot of the expectations coming into the year had them struggling. They've truly been a revelation this year. The University of Utah and BYU women's basketball programs really are the stories in state this year uh, versus what the men's basketball teams have been doing uh, this year. So cool to see the women's doing it. They'll be back in action taking on Loyola Marymount on Thursday. We'll keep you updated when it comes out with the new national rankings. Probably get you an update on that tomorrow. On the men's and women's track and field side of things. Uh, the women's track, uh, the women's distance medley relay team, including All-American Erica Burke Jarvis, Elena Ellsworth, Lauren Ellsworth Barnes, and All-American Whitney Orton clocked a 10 minute 56 second point five. 10 minute 56.51 second uh, DMR to set a school record in that event. Uh, the previous record was 1056.73, so very closely was set by all Americans in 20, 2009, excuse me. So this record stood for nearly a decade. But BYU, their athletes uh, break it. So hats off to them. This is up at the UW Invite up there in Seattle, Washington. Uh, the men's track team won the Dr. Sander Invitational, scoring a total of 89 points in New York. They edged out Ohio State and UCLA for the win. The women's team that participated there in New York finished 10th overall with 20 points. So awesome to see men's and women's track and field continue to perform well. The men's team in particular currently ranked number nine in the country. Probably has an opportunity to move up again this week when the national rankings for that come out on the men's tennis side of things let's move along here number 68 ranked BYU lost to number one Wake Forest on Friday as you would expect that's the number one ranked team in the country but they bounced back with a solid upset of number 37 Old Dominion 4-2 to two on Saturday so congratulations to Brad Pierce's team on picking up that win 
Now they come home. They'll be traveling to Logan to face in-state rival Utah State. That'll be this Thursday at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Men's tennis having a good year so far, and we're, we're going to be rooting for them going forward. One final note in terms of results this weekend is the number 16-ranked BYU women's gymnastics team uh, picked up another win over the weekend. They're now 2-0 and in MRGC play. Uh, they beat Utah State 196.450 to 194.850. So by gymnastics standards, it was a route. Um, hats off to BYU women's gymnastics with the win. A lot of kids were in attendance at this meet. It's their annual um, home meet for kids. 5,285 fans, including elementary school kids from around Utah Valley, were in attendance. So congratulations uh, to the women's gymnastics team on another big win. They are headed now. Uh, to face Cal in Arizona State uh, this coming Saturday. That'll begin at 7 o'clock Mountain Time at Haas Pavilion down there um, in California. So we'll keep you updated on that as any other news comes out about the women's gymnastics team. I'm expecting another national ranking is in order, and we'll keep you updated on that. And then finally, men's golf team, I mentioned they're ranked number 9 in the country. They are in action today, participating in Arizona at the Arizona Invitational in Tucson at Sawalo Golf Club. You can go to BYUCougars.com and get live stats on that if you want an update on how they performed over the weekend, or not the weekend, how they performed today and tomorrow. Uh, The tournament runs through tomorrow. And hopefully BYU men's golf can continue a hot... uh, We'll pick up, not necessarily continue, but pick off of a hot uh, fall season and get going straight out of the gates when it comes to this spring. Already ranked in the top 10 nationally. Would be good to see them continue to build on that going forward. All right, there you go. So that's the podcast for this week. Thanks again for joining me. Not this week, it's today's podcast, excuse me, uh, for Monday. And we'll be back tomorrow talking more about BYU basketball, football, and everything else that goes in the middle. We'll get back to some of our position reviews and previews. And, of course, any other news that comes out, like Jay Drew's over the weekend, we'll be hitting on that as well. So thanks again for joining me. A reminder, you can listen to this podcast by using your smart speaker. All you have to do is tell your Alexa or your Google Home, whatever you got. Simply say, play podcast Locked on Cougars, and you will have this right there for you at all times. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on this daily podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been Locked on Cougars for January. January 28th, 2019.